Good morning. How's everybody today? All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, today's title is Behold the Savior, Friend of Sinners. Um, anyone not qualified to be here? Anyone? Okay, good. So we're all in that group? Okay, good. We're all looking for some friendship? All right. Does anyone remember the song, Friends? Boom, boom, boom. How many of us have them? Let's be friends. Come on, Sam. How many? Let's be friends. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's be friends. All right, Sammy. Thank you very much. I mean, who doesn't love to hum that song, right? Like, let's be friends. Anyone ever feel like that? Like, can't we just be friends? Why is this got to be so hard, right? All right. So um, what's our intention today? Uh, this is going to be interesting. I remember to move this. So our intention today is just to really understand and appreciate more uh, the amazing friendship of Jesus and be inspired to imitate his love and friendship to just really uh, get going. So what we're going to do, as the slide says, just stand up for a second. And what we're going to do is you're going to make a new friend today. All right. And it's real simple. Don't freak out. It's okay. Just just share with that person what is one of the friendliest things a friend has ever done to you in your life. And how did it wait? Don't start yet. See, 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 Andre, Andre, you're starting too soon, buddy. I'm just gotta hold on. I'm the friend police here, okay? But listen, so here's what I want to do. I'm gonna warm you up a little bit. Today is John Ashenbrenner's birthday. Oh, all right, Jaden. Okay, so so here's an example. I'm going to share with you the friendliest thing anyone's ever done to me and how it made me feel. So I I go and get married and I go on my honeymoon. I give John Ashenbrenner $500. No, I, I think I paid him later. He goes to BJ's for me. I, I and It was in Manhattan. It was a fifth floor walk up with no elevator. So he surprises me, goes to BJ's and just... Spends $500. That's a lot of stuff at BJ's, just so you know, back in 1993. But anyway, so he, he goes into New Jersey, I think, goes to BJ's, drives back to Manhattan, and carries all of that stuff up five floors at a time and just packs our cabinets with, like, all kinds of spices, the toilet paper, paper towel, the whole thing. And we walk home to a furnished BJ's apartment. Okay? I mean, that's real love. That's... That, that made us feel like unbelievable. So that's my story. Share with someone yours, a new person, someone you don't know that well, share with them. What was the friendliest thing that's ever been done to you and how did it make you feel? Go. Woo. All right, you friends, you new friends. Now you have a new friend. You have learned their most important friendly moment. And now you won't. There you go. All right, good. All right. So we're going to read here from Matthew 11. Can you tighten this bro? That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. All right. So we're going to go ahead and read from Matthew 11. And in verse 16. Thank you. Is it on? Okay. All right. How was that? Is that good? You learned something new? All right. These are inspiring stories. Sometimes maybe someone told you a story like, I went to talk to one brother. He's like, this person just picked up my bill for lunch, right? Like it doesn't have to be the five story, go to BJ's and spend all day. Sometimes it's, it's just being really considerate and really being really generous. 
And that, that just really impacts your heart. So in Matthew 11, verse 16 to 19, it says, to what can I compare this generation? This is Jesus talking, and he's kind of, you can tell he's kind of like, ah, what do I do here? How can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in a marketplace calling out to others. We played the pipe for you, and you didn't dance. We sang. We did a dirge. You didn't mourn. It's like, we're trying. We're trying to work, make this work. He says, but John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her actions. You know? And so when you think about this, uh, when you think about this uh, phrase, have you ever thought of what it would mean to look like a friend of sinners or a glutton and a drunkard? Like, have you ever like thought about like, what was he, what was he doing to be called that, right? Like what, what would be making that happen? And uh, one of the things that's been very helpful is the, the, the Chosen series, right? Because my wife, my wife and I, I got her Netflix for Christmas, so I know we're, we're like really late in the game here, but we finally got it. Now we're watching on Monday nights one or two shows, but, but just friend of sinners, like you're starting to see some stuff, right? If everything that Jesus did was written down in a book, the world wouldn't have enough space for all those books, right? So we're in like the very beginning, and Jesus is hanging out with the kids, right? It was just someone's imagination. Like he's hanging out with these kids. He's friends with them. And then when he leaves, he, he, he carved two little horses for her. This one little girl, he, he carved little horses and then just went away. He was a friend. He connected with sinners. Like that's what he was known for, you know? And so, you know, he's just so multi, multi-layered. Uh, that's pretty cool. I hadn't seen that before. Anyone seen that before? It's pretty cool. It's just like multi-layers. Like you never knew what you were going to get with Jesus. You weren't going to get a religious, pharisaical, like I'm not lifting a finger for you. It, like the opposite, right? What you were getting was a friend. What were you getting with someone who knit you together in your mother's womb? Someone who knew you since the world was created, right? But still, he just had that gaze. Like, oh, there you are. There you are. I remember making you. I remember making Phil. Lots of hair. Yes, very good. <laughs> Me, not so much, you know? <laughs> but, but that was Jesus. Like, you met your creator. Or they did, you know, physically. Like, they just saw him. And I just love that about the chosen, that it helps to kind of make that become real. So when I think about Super Bowl Sunday, I'm like, what would Jesus be doing on Super Bowl Sunday to live out this kind of reputation? I don't know if he'd be like this per se, you know, but he'd have a glass of wine. He'd be with friends. He'd be in their house, right? Like he had this reputation of being kind of a party dude, you know? And like, you know what I'm saying? Like he would have plans. And if you don't have plans, don't think you're not like Jesus. That's not where I'm going with this. But like, I'm just saying like, like that's the kind, like he did enough events where he was with tax collectors and sinners like, you know, adulterous people and people who just rob people. I was like, man, what would be the current day thing for that? That would be still the sinners because we fit that role pretty good. But then maybe all the people who do the gambling, you know, because because tax collectors were messing with people's money and taken out. So that's kind of gamble. Like the gamblers have a reputation today. Right. So instead of looking down on them and that, you're like, oh, let's grab some wine. Let's go watch the game. Let's go. He'd be high fiving people. Maybe. I don't know but he'd be out with people and he'd be accepting them and he'd be loving them. So 
I got my uh, dual thing. So the term friend of sinners is more than just a title. It's a description of Jesus' ministry. It's his mission. It's his mantra. It's the way he went about every day of his life. And the Greek, uh, uh, I think it's pronounced philos here, um, and it means affection, closeness, and loyalty. And so those are big words, right? And what would be a way that you guys could put into practice right here today? Wouldn't that be cool? If you could just sitting down right now, put this into practice, show some affection, show some closeness, and show some loyalty, wouldn't that be cool? Now, except for Romeo and his wife, we are mostly filled with Giants fans and some Chief fans. Go Chiefs. All right. So I thought what would be really cool is to really put this into practice. So I'm not taking the shirt off this time that I did with my Giants shirt way back in the day. But I am putting one on. Here we go. All right. All right. Can you love me with this shirt on? It's not my issue. It's your issue. Okay? Because Philadelphia Eagles fans, they're known for what? Pelting Santa Claus with snowballs. That was in 1968. Okay? We lost to Minnesota Vikings. We gone 0-8 that year. Okay? And so it was an Eagles fan that was in the Santa suit. And some people just threw some snowballs at Santa. It's become this huge thing that overshadows all of Philadelphia Eagledom that we pelt Santa Claus with snowballs. So I just want you to be my friend today in my Eagle shirt. I know it's hard. So if you have to get up and leave and take a breather, that's okay. Come back and we'll fall in love and it'll be great. All right. So here we go. So we got that. We got that. And this. So in what ways did Jesus... Uh, show friendship what was some of the ways that jesus showed friendship anybody want to take a stab at that one just one or two words in the back he was super curious isn't that a mark of a great friend like hey man how you doing today what, what, what do you need i love that that's that's like bullseye yes When Judas was stealing the money, he didn't say anything. I love that one because it just teaches us we need to give our contribution. And if someone's messing up in the background, that's not our issue, right? I, I, I really believe that's why that's in the Bible. It's like we give, like, like, I mean, we can care, but we can't get too caught up and not give because of what's going on. Judas was stealing money. I love that one. Yeah, go ahead. Cooking for his disciples. Wow, yeah cooking, serving, huge servant for sure. Yes. Listened. When he already knew, right, the fabric of their brain cells, he still listened. He still cared. He was never too busy. Um, one of the things that we're not going to touch on a lot today, but he told the truth, truth and grace. Oh my gosh. I mean, you did not have to guess what was on his mind. Right? Get behind me, Satan. I mean, he did not hold back. We're not going to spend a ton of time on truth today. Not that it's not a great topic, but man, he came at you with the truth because he's your friend, right? And a friend, instead of multiplying kisses, right? A wound from a friend can be trusted. And he's like, I'm your friend. I'm going to tell you the truth. So there's no surprise 
what's coming down the road. And then he got to do that. All right. So, whoa, hold on. Let's go back. All right. So we're going to go first here with affection. And I want to show you this picture right here. And I just want you to gaze at it for a second. And I want you to think about who that person might be from the characters that we know in the Bible. And there's no wrong answers here. But who do you think that could have been that he was hugging there? What's that? Kids, yes. A, a young child just jumping into his arms. Maybe right after he defended them in front of the disciples who were like, get away, kids. He doesn't. And, and, it, and maybe the, the one of them just jumped into his arms. Love that one. Lazarus. Okay, good. Oh, that's a that could be a Peter hug. That could be a reinstatement hug. A leper, a leper, someone who who couldn't touch anyone, but all of a sudden they're totally healed, and now they can touch and they get a hug like that from Jesus. Go ahead. Z yeah, Zacchaeus tactic, like falling out of the tree, maybe, and then standing up and and giving him a hug. Right. Go ahead. Mary Magdalene, absolutely, yes. The prodigal son, right? The, the, uh, you know, coming into his dad's arms. That's beautiful. One more. John the Baptist, his cousin. What's up, cuz? Right? Them meeting. Here's Bobby. you say something? Judas, yes. Judas, yeah, absolutely. I got a question for you. What about you? Could that be you? Anyone use one of those this week, today? Two seconds ago? Could you use a hug like that? Did anybody come from a hugging family? Okay. I'm looking to see if it's Latin-based. <laughs> I don't want to assume or anything, but if hands go up, okay. Anybody not come from a hugging background family at all? Okay, cool. So, so I came from a non-hugging family, um, and I don't have time to get all into that, but I will tell you, like, I've never got a hug from my dad. You know, I, I got the straight hand. My dad was an awesome guy. He just didn't really have hugs in his DNA. And it's okay because his dad was the same way. And it was just something handed down. And uh, even, even my mom wasn't so much. If I initiated, my mom would definitely hug me back. But, um, but I remember one time uh, I was in a therapy session. And for we, the, the therapist asked me to close my eyes. And then... You know, she's kind of guiding me through this thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. My eyes are closed. And I'm like, whoa. And I kind of feel the weight of Jesus showing up in this uh, exercise I was going through. And then she said, she said, now he's going to put his hand on your shoulder. And I just remember feeling, I felt my body, I feel like the blood in my body just went to my feet. I just felt like, ah, like, ah. like it's, it's so hard to explain. Like, if you don't come from that background and you don't realize that you don't, see Jesus as ever hugging you. You see Jesus as someone to, to prove it to. You see Jesus as someone to impress, right? Like, am I, you know, like, how we doing, Jesus? Like, you still love me? I'm, I'm, hey, we're cool. I'm, I'm giving my contribution, right? <laughs> that's, that's not really, but, but my point is, like, like when, when we went through that exercise, it would definitely freak me out because I wasn't used to imagining this. This is two-hand hug. I can't, like, this is incredible for me to think, like, this is how it's going to be. What about, what about uh, Judgment Day? How would you like this to, for you on Judgment Day? 
Like, I've been waiting for you. And, and getting this kind of embrace. You know, and, and I've decided that I'm just going to believe that. I, I, I'm just going to believe Romans chapter 5, where the more sin increases, the more grace increases. And I'm just, again, I mean, I mean I'm still going to be open about my sin and talk to people, but I'm not going to live like, oh, maybe today, or maybe I repent enough today to go to heaven. No way. This is, this is, this is the friend of Jesus that, that I want to keep in my mind, this picture. This is where we're going. This is what's going to happen when it's all over. We're going to be embraced by God, and it's going to be amazing. Maybe it was this boy. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 19. You, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Just for parents' sake, just so you know, this is one of our favorite prayers. <laughs> Bring the boy to Jesus, you know. Bring the girl to Jesus any moment here. Yes, go ahead, Jesus. You take care. So they brought him to him. When the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. We went to all your disciples. None of them could heal him. But I didn't go home. I didn't walk away. I knew that this is the right place to be around. So Jesus says, if you can. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father, like, oh, that's me. I do believe. <laughs> He's like, help me overcome my unbelief, right? He's like, I'm not going to mess up at this point. I'm talking to the son of God, right? So when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. So maybe that hug was that kid. Maybe that hug was the father, you know, just like, yes, I knew it. I knew he could be healed. I knew it. Yes, I doubt it sometimes, but I knew it, right? It's a great example for us parents, right? It's a great example for us. Just stay in there and ask God to make that gap up. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief, right? I do believe something happens, our belief goes down, believe again, goes down, believe again. Only God can fill us with that kind of belief. All right. Closeness. All right. So this is interesting here. Um, friend or fisher of men? Friend or fisher of men? You know, it's, I think sometimes, and I want to be careful here because we are kind of shredding hairs a bit, but it's one thing to feel like you're working, right? Like, ah, oh, I gotta go out and fish. I gotta go out and fish, you know? Oh, I gotta go out and share my faith or I gotta go out and fish for men. It's not that statement. It's obviously Jesus, it's inspiring. He said, he said that to Peter and you see it in the chosen, right? He's like, from now on, that huge catch you just had, we're gonna do that with people. It sounds exciting, right? Like we're gonna go do this together. But, but after a while, I don't know, it, it just can, it can chafe a bit. If, if, the, if the word friend isn't there first, right? I'm a friend of sinners. Like, that's how we fish. Like, they're connected like a Lego piece, right? Like a Tommy the Train. Like, I'm a friend. You know, he didn't say to every single person, you're forgiven of your sins. We know the man at the pool, he came back to him and said, hey, listen, you better stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you, right? But sometimes it was just a healing. Sometimes it was just a friend. And, um, you know, and so... You know, I just think it's really important 
to, to understand also this concept of being yoked to unbelievers because we can swing the pendulum way over. Woohoo! I'm going out. I'm going to New York City. Let's party with my friends. Well, hold on, time out. There's this thing where he says, be careful not to be yoked to unbelievers, right? So somewhere between being yoked to unbelievers and partying with them, right? Like knowing when it's time to go, maybe. You know, let's say the drugs come out or some inappropriate video or movie comes on. It's like, okay, hey, gotta go. I'm sure Jesus wouldn't stay and, and do all that stuff. But I think he'd still go, right? I, but you gotta know yourself. And again, young Christian, there's lots of things. It's, it's just one sermon here. But I do wanna put before you friendship with sinners, having a good time with them and really enjoying yourself, but not being yoked to them to where you start compromising, right? So it's good to be with a friend so that you can know that and stay in line when it comes to all that. Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. There's that hug. Someone said Zacchaeus, right? Like, dude, like that takes a lot of, a lot of courage and, and friendliness. Is like, I'm staying at your house. Like, if I just said that to you right now, you know, like, okay, well, that's awkward, but okay. You know, like, but this is God, right? Is and, and he sees a key up in the tree. He's like, you're exactly the kind of person I want to spend the whole day with. Let's just call it a sleepover. You know, let's just hang out. Let's, this, this is great. And look at Zacchaeus. He said to the Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. The next scripture is not on here, but Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and save that was lost. That's how he saved and sought people. He, he invited himself over to their house. Let's be friends. How many of us have them, tax collector? You don't have friends but I'm going to stay at your house. VIP, Rousseff. <laughs> VIP. There's a song VIP about those two. We were doing that in Colorado. Okay, side joke. But seriously, right? Zacchaeus is like, yo, VIP. Jesus is staying at my house. And he just gave away half his possessions. You notice he wasn't challenged to give them all away the way the, young, the rich young ruler was. Because it was obvious that he, he was bent on making up for his you know, making up for his life, making up for what was going on. And here he has the son of God stay at his house. And Jesus is like, salvation's come here today. Let's go. Because he initiated that friendship. I uh, love this next one as well. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, this just, this passage here is a passage where I think about closeness and I think about a, a time where 
if you're picking a team back in, you know, back in grade school and you're the captain of the kickball team, this is not the kind of, you know, or, or you're starting a social club. This is not usually probably how you would go about picking your team. Okay. Let's just see here. Okay. Everyone who's super burdened and super tired and weary and burnt out, you come be part of my team. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But, but Jesus wanted that. He wanted the close. He was ready to give. He was a friend. He's a friend. He looked around. He's like, who's, who's the lowest? Who's hurting the most? Like, let's go. I'll, I'll help you out. Walk with me. It'll be easy. That was Jesus as a friend. And I love how, how Jesus initiated all the time, you know, because that song that Sam was singing, how many of us friends, friends, how many of us have them? Let's be friends. We can, you know, I hope, hope not to, I hope we don't do this too often, but I think sometimes it's easy to keep score on friendships. Like I reached out to so many people. No one reached back out to me. And it's not like we're counting one, two, three, four, five, but in general, we can feel like I'm putting out the net and no friend, no friend fish are in the net. They're not coming back. I'm initiating. I'm throwing things out. No one's responding. Anyone ever feel like that? You know, and then you got a choice to make. Oh, good. The rest of you have never felt like that? What are you doing? I need to know. You know, you send out a text, you send out calls, you send out emails, nothing comes back. And you're like, or, or, or a small reply comes back, but nothing gets initiated back, you know? And so it's real easy to keep score and get discouraged. If you're keeping score, you're really discouraged because it's hard to live that way, right? So Margie and I are having a Super Bowl party today. It's the only, it's one of the only reasons why we actually put an addition on our house because the other room was too small for a Super Bowl party. So this is a big day at the Mitchell household, okay? So I'm throwing out, you know, invitations left and right. And by the way, if anyone does not have a place, you're invited to my house. No questions asked. Just come over. Um, so I put one out to uh, Ray and Janet Shock, which live in San Diego. And I'm like, hey, I put one out to my friend in Connecticut. My friend in Connecticut's like, no, never got back. So, um, you know, so uh, Ray makes some, this guy, Ray, who's my, uh, my, my son's wife's father, makes some funny statement. I'm like, ha, ha, that's great. They're here at church today. They're coming to my super party. Stand up for one second. These guys right there. What's up? I just initiated. That one had a 1% chance. So you're saying there is a chance. Okay. That one was a hail, hail Mary. But I wanted to Ray, I wanted Ray to know I'd love to have my Super Bowl. So they surprised us and show up at church today. Hungry, ready. <laughs> and I'm like, look at that. I, I say my friend Russ, who these guys know, had a 50% chance of coming from Connecticut, but San Diego, that just, but just give it a try. Can I just make an encouragement? Just wipe the whiteboard clean on your friendships. Start over. Seriously, and if you get reached out to, just understand, like someone's putting that olive branch out there. They really want to be your friend, but maybe they're timid or uh, just shy and, or feel funny, but, but let's jump on those opportunities when we can, amen? All right, so um, another one here um, that we want to read uh, before we move on to loyalty is uh, Hebrews 2, since the children have, oh, no, I see, I got to keep them both going. Wait, no, this one's this one. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. All right, here we go. Hebrews 2. And then this one goes back. 
Okay, let's read this together. Hebrews 2, verse 14 to 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, underline every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The Bible says he was tempted in every way. The weird thoughts you have, like the crazy ones, the ones that you're share, even scared to share with yourself, Jesus was tempted with that one too. But he didn't do it. So he's not up there keeping score of you. In the, in the, in the scope of, since we've been talking about keeping score, wipe the slate clean. Wipe the slate clean. You got it. You got it. You got it. It's what we have to do as parents, right? You got it. You got it. Let that go. Let's go. I'm, I, I love you. you. Let's go. Let's keep it going. That's Jesus. He's like, I get it. You were tempted. I was tempted the same exact way, the same exact way. But he kept on going because that's the kind of friend he is for us to keep that blood pure so that when he died, our sins would be forgiven. All right, move on. Is this good? Are you guys okay? We're going good? All right, good. So loyalty. So this was the, this was the definition of friendship, right? So we did uh, closeness. We're doing loyalty here. And uh, let's read the scripture, this one. Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have, oh, here, I was ahead of myself. But we have the one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Not just after our time of need, right? And that's kind of the difference between having a quiet time and then walking with God. You know, quiet, and again, quiet times are great. Don't get me wrong. We spend time with God, but then it's kind of like we can shut the Bible, put away the notepad, and then there we go. And we're not communicating. We're not touching base, right? And, and, and uh, I was talking to this one brother who I really respect and love. He's a, he's a church leader um, down in Florida. And he was explaining to me how he does it. And just that, and that constant prayer that was touches, just making sure that he's touching throughout the day you know, um, and, and still having a good chunk, but really touching in during the day because Jesus is up there and he's like, I get it. Here's grace. You're in your time of need. Knock on my door. Let's go. You've got this, right? Because that's what a friend does. That friend that you talked about, I talked about John Eschenbrenner. If he'll do that, won't he take a call at midnight? If he'll do that, won't he be willing to, you know, maybe chat and let me his lawnmower? Or, I don't know. I'm just trying to make things up here, but you know what I'm talking about. Jesus is up here. These things, we can bother him. We can knock on his door right in the moment. All right. Oh, man, we're at the end already. Jesus. Um, we can do a Q&A. All right. So I, I, I'm going to figure this out before I'm done. Here we go. Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. We cover a few of them in here, don't we? You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God 
and they will reign on the earth. So what I want us to do is I want us to think about our, in my story, John Ashenbrenner, whoever it was for you. And I want you to think about how that made you feel. Because we, we asked that question, well, how did it make you feel, right? It just made you feel a little bit unworthy, a little bit like, oh my gosh, a little bit I want to pay you back, right? When someone really does something nice for you. And the scripture in Revelation, it talks about that we were purchased. That everything that's purchased has a what? A price. Would you say that we were expensive? We were expensive, right? And, you know, for a while there, try to use your imagination with me. For a while there in Gethsemane, things were looking a little rough. To put it lightly, especially when the disciples are sleeping and not really being there for Jesus. And, you know, like, you know, there's like that game deal, no deal. You know, it's kind of like, Imagine somehow like you're able to watch the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, starting in the garden. And its deal is, this: Jesus is going to go through with this. He's going to take his last breath. And th that his sin, I mean, that his sin, that his blood is going to purchase you so that you can have eternal life. So that you can have a foundation here on this planet so you don't go crazy and you know how to build your life, and you know how to have your relationships, and you know how to be in this world, right? How to get free from sin. And you're watching minute by minute, not knowing the outcome, but just first time. And there he is, and you come to the knowledge, if he doesn't purchase me on the cross, it's over. Blackest, darkness, hell, you name it. It's over. No hope. Drink and be merry, because this is it. When this is over, blackness comes. Everybody got me there? So imagine you're watching the play-by-play -play and you're like, in your mind, you're trying to wake up the disciples. He needs you. I need you to get him to the cross. My soul depends on it. Don't be sleeping. Then you hear Jesus. He's like, God, take it away. I don't want to drink this. I will if you need me to, but I don't want to. Oh God, please help him want to. Oh God, please help him because you know your soul is in the balance you have not been purchased yet there's only one thing that does it is unsinned blood blood that hasn't been contaminated and he's the only one he's your only hope so you stay up all night watching you stay and jesus is getting a little stronger and a little stronger and your hope's going okay good good keep praying jesus <laughs> go back a third time keep going and then Jesus gets on his feet and says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. But the part that you love the most is the exclamation point. And you're like, yes. He worked through it. There's no cross without Gethsemane. There's no cross victoriously without Gethsemane. And some of us were wondering, like, why are we not, you know, walking a tighter walk? Why isn't things going better spiritually? How's your Gethsemane times going? How much are you just admitting that you don't want to do the thing that you got to do or that God's put in front of you or that someone's put in front of you? It's a test maybe, right? So then, I mean, you can just imagine where this story is going. We see him before Pilate and we're like, deal or no deal, saved or lost. Oh my gosh. You know, he's getting questioned. And then, and then Pilate wants to just let him go. You're like, no, don't let him go. I mean, I mean, kind of, but no, like I need him to die. Let Barabbas go. So then, so you get through that. 
the purchase isn't done yet, though. Then they take Jesus and they start spitting on him. Then they start beating him. Then they start punching him. Then they take a crown of thorns and you're like, no, not the crown of thorns. Then they start beating the crown of thorns into his head. You're like, no, don't do that. What kind of friend is he? Right? What if you knew he had something in his hand like this thing that could call 10,000 angels? And all he had to do was push the button. You're like, don't push the button. I need you, please, to go through with this. Then they ask him to carry the cross. Then the first nail goes in. Then the second nail goes in. Then you hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They don't want what they're doing. You're like, thank you for this friend. There's a reason why someone wrote that word, that song. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Not Josh Nashenbrenner. Not Margie Mitchell. Not Seth Mitchell. Not even my awesome in-laws who came in. There's not one. And I thought about, you know, when people don't become Christians, it's like unclaimed freight because it's been paid for. Like if you're not a Christian today, you have a chance to be claimed. Your bill's been paid. All your sin, everything you've ever done. If you decide not to, that's your choice, but you will be unclaimed freight. The price was paid, but you never picked up your salvation. So in closing today, I just really want to encourage you guys. Number one, be great friends. You know, maybe, you know, like my favorite place is the sauna at the YMCA. It's, it's a closed crowd. You know, like they're not leaving usually. I got 15 minutes with these guys. It's so much fun. Every day, sauna talk, sauna talk, sauna talk, sauna talk. One of the guys coming to my Super Bowl party, parties from the sauna. I love it. It's great. I go to the same diner all the time. Many of you guys have been invited all the time. Why? Because I'm just, and I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to say I'm the perfect example, but I'm trying to get places and spots where I can be a friend to the world. It's really easy just not to meet anyone every day. So going out, going to the gym, going to the diner, meeting the same people, talking to them. You know, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Thank you so much.